welcome to Rainbow Soul, an explorative discussion about spirituality beyond mainstream religions. Hollis Taylor, author, psychic, astrologer, and alchemical mage, brings their non-binary perspective together with fellow drag king and trans man, Lacrosse Ortiz, a Jewish Taino with spiritual background of exploration that has led him to an atheist perspective. Join these guys as they explore deep and difficult topics, all related to spirituality, offering a queer perspective, an exploration of interesting topics, and engaging guests to help explore conversations for the rainbow soul. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. Unfortunately, our buddy lacrosse is out of town, so he won't be on the show tonight. But what I did was invited two of my favorite people and thought, hey, you guys, you want to help me out? And they were totally happy to help out. This week, we are doing our show. We decided that we would do the show on mental health and spirituality. Do you need a spiritual path to have good mental health? And how does your spiritual path help your mental health? Helps maintain good mental health. How does that work? So we're going to be discussing that today. And uh, just to let you know who I am, I'm Hollis Taylor. I'm the author of Divine Androgen. It's a book, The Sacred Path for Gender Variant People. And you can order that at my website, divineandrogen.com. You can also see me do readings or get me to do a reading for you if you'd like. And I am also the host of the show, Rainbow Soul. And my intention is to help people explore spirituality beyond mainstream religion. Yeah, sure, those topics might come up, but only in reference to other things usually. Most of the time we'll be talking about things that are a little bit more offbeat. I'm glad you chose to join us this time. Things like tarot, astrology, and magic. And I am particularly a witch, I'm a non-binary witch and mage. I also practice alchemy. And I'm a psychic, and I do tarot readings, astrology readings, and things of that nature. So if you are interested in any of that kind of thing, you just hit me up on my website. And now we are going to bring out my co-host today, which the first person we'll start with is Belladonna. Belladonna is... a in a lot of ways, my drag wife. We performed together on stage several times in drag, and we also happen to be pretty good friends. So well, let's welcome Belladonna. Here I am back again. Couldn't keep me away. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely, Bella. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your pronouns and your identity and things like that? Well, hello everyone. I'm Belladonna. Um, you can call me Bella for short. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. 
Ah, look at that. Um, I am what I kind of coined myself as an eclectic witch. Um, I am just this spoopy little swamp witch who pulls um, magical teachings and practices from different aspects of different religions and um, um, uh, ideals. And I kind of make them my own. Um, I just feel like everyone should be validated in that, like, no one should be excluded to use other things. But um, that's a little bit of myself. I'm a, a performance artist, drag queen. Um, yes, my, oh, there it is. Uh, my lovely drag husband, Hollis, and I have done so many fun shows together. And so a lot of fun adventures, but um, thanks to COVID, um, yes. But yes, I'm happy to co-host uh, this little show again. Always a pleasure. So, Mwah. thanks for being on the show today, Bella. I really appreciate you, and I think you have a great sense of humor and an amazing witch. I've seen you do some really cool stuff on stage. <laughs> The next person uh, that I've actually known amongst the alchemy, amongst the alchemy group um, is Lee, Theodore Lee. And they, he uh, runs, is just starting a podcast. And essentially the podcast is about mental health. And so he's totally uh, into this subject. So I'm gonna welcome Lee. Hello. Hey, Lee, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your pronouns, things like that? Um, well, you already know my name. Uh, my pronouns are both he, him, and they, them. Both work for me, make me feel very happy and validated when you call me that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm helping do artwork for a mental health podcast that I also help do research for, for a couple of friends. And we don't have a launch date for the podcast yet, but we have a Twitter and an Instagram that you should be able to find in the banner below in the video. Um, I'm really looking forward to it because they're really interesting talks and they're willing to tackle subjects multiple times and they're talking about having guests on as well. And I know that um, Hollis has been asked to be one of them uh, when the podcast decides to tackle its own uh, spiritual and religious topics. Um, a little bit about me is I'm an artist, uh, creator. I work with all mediums as I can. Um, I've walked a life of spirituality ever since I was a child, and I have experience with Christianity and Wicca and Buddhism and a few others here and there, and I consider myself now a solitary eclectic pagan, although sometimes I participate in group events because singing in a group is a wonderful experience and drum circles are a wonderful experience and I get to meet wonderful creative people there. So that's where I got the pleasure of meeting Hollis. Well, fantastic. Thanks for being here, Lee. I really appreciate you being here. Appreciate your friendship and Appreciate your depth and knowledge of these things. And I just want to also welcome Sandy Griffin is, is, is viewing our show. And thanks, Sandy, for being here. Thank you so much for being welcoming and commenting. We appreciate you. 
so um, to start this topic off, I thought, well, do you need a spiritual path to have good mental health? Like, there's a lot of things you need for good mental health. Like, you know, probably need to be aware of your diet and the way you exercise. And there are some things like that. And I believe, because I am come from a holistic perspective, that as humans, we, some of us, most of us, have some awareness of things outside of ourselves. First of all, most of us believe in the soul. Most of us believe that we have a soul of some kind. Not all of us, but most of us. And most of us also kind of feel that there's something beyond us. Like we can sense it maybe when we're in nature. Sometimes we can sense it uh, in other other platforms as well. And sometimes we can sense even the connection with other people. Most of us, if someone was just having uh, an angry fit in a room, and let's say you weren't present for it, but then you walk in right after it, most of us can feel it, right? We can kind of sense that something was up just a moment ago in the room. We don't always know what it was, but a lot of us are at least aware of it. And so I feel like those are energetic. That's an energetic imprint and that all of us have an energy field around us. So from the holistic perspective, if we don't address that energy field around us, how other people affect our energy, how we affect others' energy, and even how certain environments affect our energy. I notice that if when I live in the city, I'm a miserable being, okay? Because there's, I feel very pressured and caged. Uh, so I need to live out in nature where I have access to trees and things. But I know some people that live, that would live out here that would feel that that doesn't work for them. They feel scared, I guess. But there's a lot of different things like that that help our mental health. And I believe that your spirituality or your awareness of your energetic field supports your mental health. It helps you manage your mental health. If nothing else, you're at least aware of it and can maybe take action. And if you're particularly fond of it and can really use it, you can use things like tarot and astrology um, and even witchcraft and magic and all kinds of other divination to help you through a hard moment, to help you. I use yoga to breathe and I use meditation to breathe. And all of these things are spiritual they're all based beyond what we can see or what we can hold in our hands. There are things beyond us that we sense, like divination. Um, so those are the things I think that in order to maintain a good mental health, that you need to at least recognize your energetic force field or your ener energetic aura and you need to recognize how you affect others and how others affect you energetically with no words, no actions, just energetically and how empathic or not that you are, how sensitive or not that you are and uh, what, what feels good and what doesn't to your soul.
to your energetic field. And I think having an idea of what might happen to you, even if you don't know for sure, or having a feeling about what might happen to you as you pass, uh, can help the act of passing, the act of death, uh, ease. I've seen people really struggle when they don't know. Uh, they're not sure when to let go. But I notice people that have a at least a belief about what will happen to them when they die, it seems to me that it's easier for them to let go. So it's easier for them to let go of being in this human realm. When I've seen people that don't have any idea and don't have never thought about it, and now all of a sudden they're faced with death, they uh, struggle until they find something, even if they come up with it in the last five minutes of their life. <laughs> so those are just my thoughts on it so far. So I'd like to invite uh, Bella or Lee to step up. And what do you think? Do you think we need a spiritual path to be mentally healthy? Um, I, I, I personally believe that it's good for everyone to have a spiritual path uh, for their mental health. And I feel like it doesn't have to be like, I full on commit to a religion or like an idea or something. It's, I feel like people need something and it has to be like something that either they work towards or something that they feel completes themselves like, oh, I want to be a good person. Like these are like, like you said, the, um, if it's like the last moments of their life where they know I probably don't have too much longer to live. Like a lot of people, like if anything, they want to be that good person to be. And I feel like it's also to be remembered by where it's like, and I think a lot of people struggle with that of like wanting um, that they don't want to be forgotten. And so they want to do good things for other people. But I think for your own mental health to like, to have something to hold and to um, uh, not commit to, but like something to hold and to strive towards. Um, that's, that's usually good because then you have made yourself some sort of purpose instead of just existing to then die. So it kind of gives you um, uh, like um like a list of things that you want to do, or at least gives you an initiative to want to live, to want to do things. So I definitely think a good spiritual path, even if it's not uh, something that you fully believe in, just something that's like, oh, I want to be a good person, or I want to at least give back to others, or I want to try and change something for my community before I go. So like to have some kind of spiritual path whether it be religion based or not, I think it's definitely good for people. Well, it seems like you two really covered the social side of it for me. So I won't really <clears throat> reiterate much of that. But for me, um, I studied Jungian psychology as much as I could outside of the university. And, um, he 
talks about the unconscious and the subconscious and how to get in touch with that. And if you are into dream interpretation or dream psychology, that came from Carl Jung and Jungian psychology. So um, if you want to look into that, I strongly suggest it because it does propose that spirituality or having esoteric understanding of your life and your dreams and coincidences that happen and how you respond to them is a huge insight into yourself and things that you might not know about yourself because we're not always aware of who we are when we're functioning out of the subconscious you know our dreams don't always make sense to us and that's a sign that we don't really know what's going on with our subconscious and then we also do things unconsciously without even uh inkling of a thought that's really hard to recover and by going into practices that you find in a lot of spiritual paths such as meditation and mindfulness and creative outlets and self-searching and how how do i interact with other people what is my impact on others um really encourages you to go inward and i think that for some people therapy is really beneficial and important and sometimes it's alongside with the spirituality but i think some people use spirituality as a form of self-therapy as a means of really digging deep into certain issues and i know that's true for me i need both therapy and a spiritual path because when i'm not following my spiritual path and i'm not regularly going into mindfulness practices, not regularly doing mindful creative exercises when I'm just constantly just trying to do things to distract myself and to get out of my feelings, I'm doing myself a harm. And if I get into my feelings and pay attention while I'm being creative, that's when I learn more about myself. Like I might learn that I'm angry or petty or jealous about certain things, but because I'm already in a creative space, I'm curious about it. I'm uh, more compassionate towards myself about it. And I, that's not something that I get when I'm outside of a spiritual place or outside of a mindful place. I'm more likely to not be curious at all. I'd rather avoid it and more likely to be critical and to feed into those judgments rather than just looking at them and acknowledging that they're there. So um, that's about what I have to say at this point. <laughs> It's fantastic. Thanks for bringing that, Lee. I yeah. think it's important, Youngin. We have to address that, you know, that perspective because certainly I think he's one of the main uh, psychiatrists that have really psychology people that have really gotten psychology theorists that have really gotten into mental health and spirituality. Yeah, he's um, gone really deep into the spirituality side of it, and I think it's fantastic. He was into mandalas and made a few himself. So he tried to do artwork. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I, we have to address this. Uh, this mess, this person posted on paper, very solid ideas, but there are so many people who have experienced mental and emotional trauma as a result of religion. Lots of them actually need to avoid religious paths for the sake of mental health. Now I'm going to address this personally. Because I personally, not only was I traumatized in Catholicism, um, but 
in my in my 20s i joined a cult um i didn't know it was a cult when i joined it and it was extremely um i was there i lived there and everything for five years um and it was extremely tra traumatizing i mean i still still deal with it to this day there are times that uh there are times that i'm listening to music that triggers those old memories from that particular place and it makes me feel that i'm incapable of trusting in this moment but after i left that place after i said this place is toxic i have to get the hell out of here um I came to the realization after, I'll tell you, I didn't do any, any spiritual things at all. Um, and that in itself was traumatizing. In fact, I would even say that by being part of this cult, I was spiritually raped. And when you wonder about what that means, that means that my religion, my spiritual path was sort of taken from me. It was just like when a person is raped, their innocence or their sexuality is taken from them. Um, that's what happens when you're spiritually raped. You're in a community that is so traumatic that you have trauma to deal with after you leave, or even when you're still there, hopefully you can leave. And when you do get out, when you do get some space, um, after some time, as I was recovering, since I had been, I had been assaulted as a, as a child, I had decided in my, in my late teens in therapy that I wasn't going to let the man that abused me and raped me have my sexuality. And that's how I came to terms with it, that he didn't deserve my sexuality that it was mine, even though he took it for that moment, okay? And so I applied that same exact wisdom to this church that spiritually raped me. They did not deserve my spiritual path and I did not deserve to lose my entire spiritual path just because this place had taken advantage of me and my family, including my son. And it was, it was, it is still traumatic. I go, there's one thing good that came out of it that I can say for sure. And that was because I was there, I was introduced to the, to the alchemy, to alchemy as an art form. Now the people that visited didn't they don't know that it's a cult okay they they don't know the level of trauma that's there and i'm not even sure they could handle it if i tried to tell them okay but the the level of trauma that was there i was able to separate it from the alchemy and when my godson said to me when i was thinking that i was trans he said well don't they kind of alchemists he's trying to help me get over 
leaving the cult because he also had left the cult. He said, don't they honor this? The rebus, this is called a rebus, R-E-B-I-S. And I was like, oh yeah, sure they do. And he was like, oh yeah, that's part of alchemy. And once he said that to me, I started to open up. I started to open up and say, okay, maybe I need to explore my spiritual path again and not go back to the cult and be very careful this time about what groups I'm part of and pay. I had cult deprogramming therapy. So I had like, I have red flags. I have a list of red flags that tell me that I'm in a cult and I did encounter another cult. I did just recently. And when I did, I stepped back because I had had those red flags. I had the experience and I was like, oh, here we go again. I can't do this again. And I got out of there. Okay. So I'm just going to say that although you may need to walk away for some time because of something that happened to you in a cult and I, Christianity is a hundred percent cult. Um, if that happens to you, I want to encourage you that you can still reclaim it. You can take it back. Just like I took my sexuality back and just like I took my spirituality back. You can define your own path. And I talk about that in this book. That's why I say that it is essential that transgender people and gender variant people define their own path. That's why. Because we are already shunned by the Christian cult, by the Christian culture, just by being trans already. And that in itself is traumatic to all of us. And so it doesn't matter what path you came through, even if you were Jewish um, being raised, hopefully they accepted you and didn't shun you, but the culture will shun you based on the Christian belief. So a, a religion, a spirituality has already shunned you. So as a result, you have to define your own path. And all of us, that's, that's like, that's where you take it back. You take it back because they don't deserve it. Nobody deserves your personal path. It's yours. And you get to define what that is. So there's my oog about oogie religions that, put trauma on us because they certainly do. I assure you they do. I'll say that I think this was a really good statement and I think it's almost a shame lacrosse isn't here for this as a spiritual atheist. Um, so what I think about is that if you've had traumatic experiences in the past then you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your trauma and heal it and acknowledge what happened to you. Um, I've done a lot of trauma work myself because I haven't really had a trauma therapist to genuinely work with and get into the grit of it all. I have to do it on my own at a very 
comfortable and slow pace to make sure I don't burn myself out or, or trigger myself horribly. And, you know, a huge part of that is I can't do sitting meditations. There's no way I'm going to sit there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and, and just sit still and have a productive experience in my head. It doesn't happen for me. I get horrible intrusive images that are gruesome and violent and I get horrible urges as well. Um, and that's because of my own mental illness that I have to deal with. And so I found that, um, I find my spiritual path not in the ways of religion, not always using candles, not always using incense, not using um, symbols or totems or hymns or music. It's my way tends to be more, I'm very mindful about what spices I put into breakfast in the morning. Am I putting in oregano for antibiotic? and other qualities? Am I putting in pepper for digestive health? Am I putting in salt for taste? Am I putting in um, rosemary? Uh, and I've learned different associations with these things, kind of like you might associate different candle smells with different people in your family or different emotions or a certain time in your life. I will also associate these plants with um, their well-known esoteric or herbal qualities such as um, I believe rosemary is one of the few masculine plants out there um, or is it feminine it's it's one of the few of either <laughs> I'll have to look it up again but I know I feel a special attachment to rosemary and and um, gender wise and it also has this clean smell to it and just taking in all of your senses at once to me is a spiritual experience because you're getting in touch with yourself. You're getting in touch with the core of your being. That's why I, I say mindful practices more than I say meditative practices because um, the science behind mindfulness and what they've done studying the monks and, and such is you're, you're not just clearing your mind, you're becoming an observer of your own thoughts and feelings and you're able to really work with things in a mature, playful manner uh, when you can get engage in yourself mindfully. So when I'm working on plants, when I'm working on sewing, when I'm drawing, when um, I'm playing with a cat, when I'm hugging my partner, these are moments that I'll, I'll take to be mindful of what's going on internally and externally and really connect with that moment. And connecting in the present time moment is where I feel most empowered, most at peace. And um, in doing my own research about mental health and mindfulness and which coping mechanisms affect what, there is scientific evidence that mindfulness brings you into the present and being in a state of presence, uh, a state of awareness of the current space and time is genuinely beneficial that's a place where you learn that's a place where you retain that's a place where you're you find that rational brain you struggle to get a hold of all the time but you also have the emotional side right there and they're in balance they're telling each other what's going on you know you can't just separate rational from emotion and assume that rational brain can control everything for you because then your emotions are left in the wake completely torn to bits and confused and uncertain and unsatisfied with the way things are going because rational brain went too far without consulting your emotions. 
um, spiritual paths, it doesn't necessarily have to be a path. It doesn't have to be a set way. It doesn't have to be anything but what you make it. You don't even have to call it spiritual. Just get in touch with yourself. Find where you feel peace. Find where you feel calm and pursue that. Pursue what makes you feel fulfilled. Um, for some people, their spiritual path has nothing to do with praying, has nothing to do with spirits, has nothing to do with energy. It's just what they're doing with their business, uh, like a home business, like baking. You know, that's their spiritual path because that's when they feel most fulfilled is as a baker and selling their goods and talking to the people that enjoy their food. So um, I really appreciate this comment, uh, especially as a survivor of spiritual abuse. Um, not only from certain groups was I ostracized for being odd and having new innovative ideas, but I was also um, severely spiritually abused one-on-one -on -one by somebody who was indoctrinating me into their own personal maid cult. Um, and I have not had great experiences with groups, which is why I consider myself a solitary eclectic pagan because um, so many groups are full of toxicity and everybody is way too trusting sometimes because they're in such this open, calm space. I can find that calm space and maintain my boundaries. So please maintain your boundaries. If it doesn't feel right for you, if it's triggering for you, take a step back. Go take care of yourself. We don't want to push anybody into a place where they are unsafe. So... Thanks, Lee. I think that's fantastic. Well said, for sure. And that's one of the one of the th one of the things the things on uh, a group that that we do that we're part of. That I'm always wanting everyone to feel as comfortable as possible. And if for some reason someone doesn't feel comfortable, I want them to take care of themselves. That should always be your first goal. And there are red flags to a cult. If someone's not encouraging you to take care of yourself, pay attention. If someone's um, gaslighting you, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. There's plenty of videos out there. If someone's gaslighting you, if someone's uh, telling you that your path is wrong um, or someone is devalidating you or disempowering you, those are all signs um, or taking away basic needs uh, like food and water or places to sleep and stuff like that. So when those things are happening, you can be aware there are lots of groups out there that are that are he's absolutely Lee's absolutely right. There are lots of groups out of there that are incredibly toxic. And um, yeah, I would agree. And it's sad because I like. To work with others. I like to be in a group. I like community. And that's one of the reasons that um, I've started doing this show. Um, and also, I also am part of a group called Family of Fire, where we also do a thing called Unite, and I do everything in my power to try to make sure it's not toxic. Um, I, I spend a lot of time focusing on what would Brene Brown do. 
okay? <laughs> um, so uh, I feel that it is potentially, it is a potential that there could be some groups that are not so toxic, um, that are healthier, and there'll probably be more of them emerging as we step forward in this time of Aquarius, as people become more aware of mental health after the pandemic, as people start to work on themselves, a lot of people are going to go through big changes. Um, and some people are meant to just be spirit. Some people are just meant to be solitary. But if you are solitary, that's totally fine. Um, a user here said, um, Cults aside, group spirituality isn't for anyone. Some people just don't play well with others, and that's okay. It absolutely is okay. Um, I I was solitary for many years for a variety of reasons, and I think that that's fine. And you, and they still have, if they're practicing solitary, they still have a spiritual path. They're still practicing something, right? So, um, by the way. Lee, uh, this person, uh, it, I'm not sure how to say your name, Mr. Rodriguez. Um, Rosemary translates to Spanish as Romero, which is a male name. So by the way, the one thing that I know for sure about Rosemary Lee is that Rosemary is, is nice to burn if um, there are spirits around. It kind of it's kind of like sage in that way. It kind of clears, um, like Palo Santo. It can be used to clear spirits and was traditionally used that way in Europe. In Europe. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and I would say that uh, kitchen witchery, someone Lee mentioned kitchen witchery. If anyone else is a kitchen witch, that is absolutely a valid path. Yesterday, not... I didn't feel so. I'm not an avid studier of herbology in order to consider myself a kitchen witch, but I definitely use kitchen witchery. It's one of the places where I can be most mindful in, in watching how things cook and listening to the food and smelling it and, and just picking the right herbs and spices based off of how everybody in the house is feeling. Like if everybody's depressed, I'm going to go for more spicy things because spice helps raise your happy feeling endorphins. So if that's kitchen witchery, I'm definitely <laughs> not against it. <laughs> I totally am there with you, Lee. I totally cook. Yesterday was uh, I was having an intense day and an emotionally intense day. So I cooked Indian food. I find Indian food to be very comforting and it's a very spiritual thing. Um, I've learned traditional Indian cooking and in traditional Indian cooking, one of the things you'll quickly find out is that they are very spiritual. They add an herb called hing, H-I-N-G or asafoetida, which um, asks the divine to bless your food. It's actually uh, part of their uh, Ayurvedic medicine uh, is okay. based off of that. It's based off of the way uh, Indian food is prepared. So Bella, I bet you have some practices, spiritual practices. So why don't we talk about our spiritual practices that we personally do um, to help our mental health? I'm sure we all have some. Go, go Bella. 
Oh, geez, me in the spotlight. Um, I actually wanted to dip back to the kitchen witchery crap because I loved, I love almost anything kitchen witchery. And it is like so fun to just play around with different spices and herbs and ingredients. Oh, it's so good. Um, one of my recent um, uh, discoveries, I love finding new recipes that are like not regularly used i found a recipe um that someone re uh, recommended about um magnolia cookies how you can make um like an imitation ginger snap cookie using the flower petals of the magnolia tree and you can actually pickle uh the petals as well and it'll taste um like a similar uh because the the petals have like a gingery taste. So it'll taste kind of like that sushi bar ginger for that you get um, served to you with your sushi rolls. So it has a very gingery taste. And I found this recipe for uh, magnolia cookies and they taste like ginger snaps. And it's so crazy because when you're cooking them, it like, you're like, oh, this is like, this is a hot burnt kind of smell of like uh, nature. Like, okay this is a bit much and then when you cook with it it's like i don't taste that it's it's really crazy it's really crazy um but as far as like personal um spirituality stuff um i think that i try and do a lot of like self-discovery stuff where it's like i push myself to look deep within myself to like what is it that you're actually um connected to what do you hone in on most and how can you make that part of you to make yourself better is like one of my first things that i've uh, i used to do it stopped and then i realized like me not doing that is bad for my mental health and for myself being so i picked it back up again and i realized that like i love the color pink like i love all shades of pink and trying to get that in my life with like oh, here's a toothbrush, but can I have it pink? Like, and doing those small things, it makes myself happy and feel better that, like, I'm living my true self. Um, as well as very doing uh, more spiritual stuff is I try and do, um, I try and discover more, like, simple spells, um, more, like, easy little rituals or, like, doing fun little um uh, little concoctions where it's like, oh, invite happiness into your life by doing this little ritual. Okay, cool. Or like just doing other stuff to make myself feel that like, oh, wow, I've gained a new knowledge and that I'm not just stuck, like feeding my brain the old, just re keep recycling, just to branch out and give myself new information. I feel like spiritually that helps me a lot because then I gain more knowledge on other things that I don't even feel are related but then they become related because like I've opened my mind up to keep sucking in more useless information. So um, yeah, I try and do like a little bit of uh, I, I try to keep like myself spiritually open to keep myself motivated to keep going. And it's, it's so good. It's uh, definitely something that uh, I try and do a lot. Yeah. Fantastic. I want to point this out to you, Lee. Well said, Bella. Um, Lee witching in the kitchen. <laughs> it isn't always about herbology. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, 
It can be about putting your intentions into your food and then eating it. That's which, such a good reminder because that is pretty much how I started with it is that I just learned that I could pray over my food ahead of time or put an intention into my food. And I don't, it could just be because I'm paying more attention to my food, uh, but the effect has been that I have tastier food <laughs> if I put any kind of intention into it whatsoever. And I notice that I get more compliments on my food if I do that too. And I'm not just doing it for the compliments, but like genuinely to feel good and to help other people feel good because I have these grand ideas of someday being a dinner host and being able to make individualized meals for all my guests who will all have individual diet re restrictions because that's how all my friends are already. <laughs> um, things that I do in my spiritual path, particularly related to my mental health, I've put it down and picked it up and put it down and picked it up so many times throughout my life. Um, put it down because I was harmed, put it down because I went in too deep into my own psyche and didn't know how to deal with what I was doing. Um, and I, mostly that's why I put it down. I went too deep and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, because meditation, I don't think, is a harmless practice. It, it gets really deep into yourself. And if you don't have a guide at all, if you don't have somebody who's experienced and has gone through these things, you're probably going to pull up stuff that's really upsetting that you weren't expecting to come across and you don't yet have the coping skills to deal with. But for me, my spirituality has become a coping skill because I, I've moved it a little bit away from the self-reflection from the constant internal digging because I have things present themselves to me all the time about myself so that I don't have to go digging it will just be there throughout my day and I'll have those realizations especially if I do my practice and my practice is more of a grounding soothing kind of practice if I feel like I've lost direction I will occasionally light a candle and ask for guidance from whatever entities are protecting me or whatever ancestors have my well-being in mind or i will just go do some yoga if i'm feeling like absolute crud i need to move my body in some kind of way and doing yoga is kind of like a meditation body meditation without having to get into the deep thoughts or get into the deep memories and if i do start getting into them I'm going to change positions soon. My breath is going to end and it's going to be time to move into the next phase so I can keep moving through whatever's going on. Whereas the sitting meditation, there's no moving. There's no getting out of it. You just sit in it and stew in it. And that's my experience anyway. I'm not saying that everybody <laughs> experiences that, but um, when I don't practice this mindfulness when I don't put intention into my food when I'm not occasionally lighting a candle with the thought of I just need some guidance like acknowledging to myself that I am feeling lost acknowledging to myself I could use more that I currently have that all can be very grounding it can all bring me back to reality into the present so that I can be open to dealing with my daily life so that I can deal with my mental health a little bit better and 
I when I really feel dragging, I know that I haven't been following my spiritual path because I look back on it and and I haven't been being mindful. I've just been making breakfast to make breakfast and get the food down my throat as fast as possible, not tasting it, not smelling it, not enjoying it, um, and doing those things that allow me to enjoy life more makes life more fulfilling rather than rushing through everything and taking everything fast and getting bored and, and not paying attention to the most simple basic flipping the eggs in the pan like how wonderful did it feel the first time you flipped an egg in a pan and you landed it without breaking the yolk i'm pretty sure that felt amazing <laughs> 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 a little bit for Bella, not so much. <laughs> I'm usually terrible at flipping eggs. It's a miracle I can do it. I found a trick though. Whenever I make um, egg in a hole, like they flip yeah. here because it's like, oh, here's this piece of bread that's like supporting the egg. So I flip those easier than actual eggs. So I also prefer flipping egg in a hole. If I have to flip, the egg is getting yeah. first most times. <laughs> Wow, speaking of like uh, kitchen witchery stuff, somebody says they're making an apple pie for Beltane because most of what goes into an apple pie is very good for love with cinnamon and things in there. But I'm using my mixer's favorite kind of apples because I want to create joy. I would say an apple pie, like if I make an apple pie, there's definitely some joy around there. Um, I think apple pies are generally pretty joyous. And I think that that goes ahead and supports this next comment, which is that the main and most important ingredient for magic is intention. Yeah. Right. So whatever. And that's kind of what you're saying, right, Lee? Like yeah. intention is the thing. And intentional um, about cooking, intentional about yoga. Right. Mindfulness sort of kind of... Uh, I guess it, it's sort of about your intention in each moment. That's kind of what mindfulness is. Um, Bella, just uh, uh, FYI, as someone is suggesting uh, you try rose water. Uh, it's it's good for your skin. It's edible, pink, and of course, it's full of love. Um, I I have I have I used rose water. Yeah, I've totally made rose water before. It's such a joy. I love doing it. Um, I haven't made any recently, but um, I, I made rose water for this one spell that I had to do. And it was just so fun. I got like water boiling and then I threw like a good handful of like these dry little mini roses in there. Just watching them all dance around and the water slowly turning pink. And it was just, oh, it was so fun. I loved it. And then I actually have... Um, two recipe recommendations i guess um it's um first if you're um for the beltane pie for the a beltane apple pie is um make sure you put um, a good amount of sugar in because sugar represents um the sweetness of life and like all the uh, cheery happy moments so if you give if you give it like a little extra sugar it'll be beautiful and if, especially if you put the intent that the apples have doubled which it like if you put in the intention that like these apples will double whether it be in taste or in physical property 
um, if these apples double while it's baking and then you cut it and, um, and eat it, um, you'll feel more full and you'll feel the bounty of like the new spring energy. So that's something. And then also for Lee and I guess for everyone else, um, if you ever make uh, cinnamon cookies, um, if you put in the intent of um, love, whether it be romantic or just, um, oh, what's the other word? Um, Platonic? Like, what was it? platonic yes that's it um if you if either romantic or platonic love if you put that love into your sugar cookies um the cinnamon because it is a romantic spice uh oh. will intensify those feelings and you'll get if you serve them to your friends your friends will be oh my god these cookies are so good thank you for making me cookies but if you give them you know romantic intention it'll be oh honey like thank you. These cookies are really sweet. So if you <laughs> put that intent, the cinnamon helps. So. Okay. I think I see some. So it sounds like we have, we definitely have gone down the, the kitchen witchery. Um, someone said rose water lemonade. There you go. It's beautiful. Um, I, I love, I like rose lemonade. I absolutely love it. Um, and I wanted to say for me, I do do yoga every day and or try to do it every day. And when I skip it, I know it. Um, sometimes I skip it if I wake up feeling like crap. It's hard for me to get into my yoga if I already wake up feeling like crap. Um, but one of the things that I noticed is if I just take a little time to do my hundred breaths, even if I, 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 I follow this, these beads, I do a breath per bead. Okay. And, um, I sit like a rosary, you know, and I do one breath, another breath, and I try to clear my mind and I'll be completely honest with you. My mind wanders, goes all over the place, but I always kind of bring it back to staying calm and clearing my mind, clearing the clouds, as Pema Chadran would say. She's one of my teachers. And I've spent a lot of time reading Pema's books. And Pema says that with each breath, if you imagine your thought is a cloud and you your breath is the wind, and so you blow away each one, I definitely do a lot of that. Um, and I've also found that if I take some time doing self-care, um, so not only do I do 100 breaths a day, but I'll also try to do something nice for myself, even if it is just putting myself in the shower, taking a nice, long, hot shower. And I do it in a sacred way. I use the water to cleanse off whatever no longer serves me. I use um, soap that I actually buy from an indigenous tribe that's made with herbs. And, um, and they, I use those soaps as a cleansing for myself. And I put on lotion afterwards as a like, as not like a bandaid, but as like a, as like a healing salve, right? Like a salve that you're using on your skin. And I do it all over. Um, I, get my face and my arms and my whole body because there's something about the process of self-care that helps you get present. And 
I see my spiritual practice as self-care, but sometimes if I'm in a bad place, it's harder for me to do my yoga, especially with my heart condition, because a lot of my problems are physical health problems. So it's hard for me to get my breaths in really well. It's easier to sit still um, these days. But I have also done certain yoga moves that even just in the moment, like if I'm in, like when I used to work at the Amish nursing home, I used to always feel that I was a target. Okay. That they were out to get me and guess what they were. So anyway, uh, I would try to find ways to bring myself back in the moment or, um, or to just stay focused on me and not focus on the other people that are clearly after me. Um, and I would just, you know, do certain things like this, but I practice them every day. I did forward bends and warriors and things like that. And I would just do like one move quickly in the bathroom, you know, like just on my own or on my break, do a quick five minute. And those things really helped me. Now, the other thing that I use, especially if I'm in a really rotten place is churro. I will reach for my tarot cards. I will do a reading for myself. And I know some people struggle with doing a reading for themselves, but I've also reached out to fellow tarot readers and we've exchanged readings um, where I do one at some point when they're having a rough day and vice versa. And I think that's a really great way, especially if you have somebody that's willing to talk to you a little bit and hold space for whatever's going on astrology also helps me. So I get daily astrology updates. Um, I subscribe to Astro Hub. I get, you know, uh, I watch the free updates on YouTube, by the way, if you didn't know that, you can look up on YouTube and get the astrology weather pretty much on any day of the week. And there are tons of people. Um, so, you know, astrology will will really really help me uh on a day-to-day -day thing because what will happen often the other day i woke up and i felt like crap okay just like upon awaking i felt like i had been run through the wing ringer while i was sleeping and then when i got up i didn't i just felt like shit and I was depressed and I was like, God, is it ever going to stop snowing up here in Colorado? Is it ever going to, is it, when are things going to get better? Is this virus ever going to end? Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I was just having a really rough day of quieting down my mind, uh, my victim mind. And the, I listened to my daily astrology thing and she says, um, you know, it's a, it's a rough day. Uh, be aware, give yourself some self-care, take care of yourself, do, do what you got to do to take care of yourself. And then, uh, and she's telling us it's an intense day. She goes, you can hear my cats in the background. Her cats are screaming. And by the end of it, she said, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. And when I come back to that quote, I'm always like, even on shitty days, I'm supposed to have a shitty day right now and I have to figure out how to get through this day. I have to find out what I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to deal with it?
So astrology is pretty damn priceless in my opinion, as well as Tarot and I use meditation. I use the hundred breaths, um, and yoga. And, um, I do sometimes cook, especially when I feel like I really need to get grounded, but often sometimes I will also do house cleansings. Um, I'll clean my house, light sage and light other, not always sage. I, I'll light other herbs, Palo Santo or something that I get sustainably in a good way. And I just like the house to smell good, but it also tends to clear out the energies on a spring day. I'll open the doors and make sure we get plenty of air in here. Those, those are all, when I'm cleaning it, uh, I try to focus in a mindful way and, um, so if I'm mopping the floor, I think all of the steps we've taken through this space may it be cleaned, may it be cleared. Um, so I tend to be a little bit of a cleaning witch. Um, I've even been called a brownie. So don't leave me alone in your house because I might clean it. So, <laughs> uh, but only if you bought me ice cream. Okay. So. <laughs> It's funny for me because I know I know what brownies are because um, uh, a while back when I was starting my uh, magical journey uh, to find uh, what I am now, um, I, I picked up a good variety of like different types of books. And one of the books I picked up, eh, picked up was a book on magical creatures. And it's basically like a giant encyclopedia of magical creatures. And they talked about brownies. I was like, brownish that's something you eat what's this and then i was like oh okay this is what they are and so i i just thought that was fun so i love reading lore and mythology and history about these kinds of things it's just fascinating um and so i've known what brownies are for a while and i believe that i get a bad case of them in my house every once in a while so i was kind of taught to just kind of talk in the air if there might be an energy or a spirit in the house to just be like hey this is my house now please respect the rules here you're welcome to stay if you can respect otherwise please leave um which is just kind of like it's also a way of calming my own mind of like i'm not in danger i can set my boundaries the house is safe but I have had these wicked moments of items going missing and then reappearing in places they shouldn't later. One time I cleaned my whole bedroom looking for my wallet. I even stripped the bed and remade the bed. And I went upstairs and I looked in the living room, took apart the couch, went back downstairs. And the wallet was peeking out of the corner of my pillow. <laughs> I was just sitting there like it had been there the whole time, just chilling out under my pillow, <laughs> even though I had stripped the bed. Um, and then another time I had my grandfather's pocket knife, and I'm not quite sure if this could have been a brownie experience or some other kind of experience. But uh, I had been keeping it in a pocket, and I was running across the field, and I felt it, felt it fall out of my pocket. And uh, I went looking for it for days, and I couldn't find it wherever it had fallen. And at that time, I was 15 years old. And then I'm 21 years old, moving out of my family's house into an apartment five hours away. And among my things as I'm unpacking, eventually just sitting on one of the shelves is my grandfather's pocket knife. 
that had been lost for years that I couldn't find anywhere that I'd lost in a field. It was just there at my new apartment. <laughs> wow. Mm. <laughs> this is the part of wow. the, this is the part of the stream where I admit that I fully believe in like the borrowers. The, oh, oh, the, the borrowers. borrowers. I, okay, okay. But we have to save this conversation for after the after the commercial break. We're, when we come back, we're going to talk about fairies, borrowers, little littles, whatever you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that when we come back because that's I, that's one of my favorite topics. So let's take a little a little break, and we'll be back in just. A moment. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back. All right, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring our guests back here in just a moment, just a, one at a time here. Welcome back, Bella. <laughs> um, I would I want to just say I don't know what happened there, but apparently Lacrosse brought brownies to the Lebanon Hotel. I don't know when that was, but <laughs> I've been to the Lebanon Hotel. I think you have too, Bella. I feel like but I was at some point. All I my think it was actual brownies. I think it was actual brownies, though, I, and not a, yeah. not a brownie. <laughs> oh, no, no. They brought a little case, and then when no one was looking, lifted the lid, and then he jumped out and then ran. It was a real brownie. I saw Yeah. <laughs> Um, and this person said, when I'm having a bad day, I listen to Alan Watts. Me too. I have listened to Alan Watts. I, I found some wisdom in that person. I honestly, I, I can't say I've listened to any of his work. I'm sorry. Hate me all you want. I've never heard of him. Guess I need to have someone new to binge. So you could, yeah, some of it's pretty good. There's some things that I'm like. I don't know about that, but and we're gonna welcome back Lee to talk about one of my favorite topics, which would be fairies, brownies, borrowers. I actually have a great relationship with them. I even believe some part of me believes that my soul might be changeling. Uh, which is actually a view of the other kin um, that when I was a baby, that something happened to me uh, that my soul was taken to the land of the fairy and I was instead exchanged with some sort of fairy creature, which kind of follows suit considering that I cried a lot as an infant. Um, when I found that out, I felt very validated and, um, in my belief as a changeling. And I don't know if it's necessarily true, but um, it helps me detach from my family. So um, it's actually really helpful for me because my family is very abusive. So it was great for me to just be like, yeah, that explains why I'm so different from them is uh, that. And I do feel very fairy-like, especially in the woods um, and there have been times that I've manifested myself that way. I can make myself invisible. Uh, Done. people cannot notice me Done. and I manifested myself as a hobbit. I, I mean, I've seen that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the fairies are, I think, uh, if you guys don't know what other kin, let me define other kin. Um, 
other kin is a spiritual path where they believe people that identify as other kin. I do identify as other kin. Uh, they believe that their spiritual path, um, well, they believe that they're something other than human. It could be alien, vampire, wolves. Um, Swamp witch. Well, uh, hopefully someday, if you happen to be an other kin person and you're interested in being on the show, I'd be happy to have you on it. I do want to do that as a topic. But... Do Go, it. Bella. Do it. I want to know more. Like, the whole other kin thing, it, again, this this stems back to my whole, like, being of wanting to learn and absorb knowledge from everywhere. And uh, there actually was a documentary um, about other kin, uh, mainly animal other kin. But, like, it was just so fascinating. I love, I'm sorry, I'm going to a little bit rant, but I love documentaries about other people's lifestyles and the way that they uh, uh, live and how they uh, function, not function, but like how they, um, how they, how they either like, Oh God, how they are just, I, there it is. Just, I, I love those documentaries. And there was a documentary about people being other kin. Uh, there was like a documentary, documentary about people being like adult babies and latex dolls like oh it's so great so if anyone's an other kin again if anyone's an other kin please come on the show oh my god it'd be so great now no. i've no. been in and out of the other kin community i'm sorry if i interrupted you no do it i'm oh. done <laughs> okay <laughs> i've been in and out of the other kin community i've had to leave quite a few times because i just found too many toxic people there and that's mm -hmm. uh through exploring other kin is partly how i experienced my spiritual abuse but i will say that ever since i was young in my whole life no matter if i'm ignoring it or paying attention to it i have had these feelings of phantom limbs of having big ears here and having a tail and um i've greatly identified with canid so i think it's either vulpine or canid it's wolf or, or fox um but it, it's kind of hard to tell and it's quite an interesting experience because i'll just get the urge to run on all fours it's like wait that's not how my body runs that's not how i should run but i can go for a run you know <laughs> i i can take a jaunt down a field um and you got questions no, no, just real quick. <laughs> Again, my brain absorbs useless information. So just to quickly throw out there, apparently yes. our brains know how to wag our tails, but we just don't have them. Isn't that crazy? Some of us are still born with our tails. Oh, yes, I've seen those. Oh, my God, so good. Yes, one of my favorite musicians, Emily Autumn. I believe talks about having been born with a tail, but I don't remember if it was her or not. I should. Oh, I love it Emily. Oh, <laughs> she's so good. I think. Well, I think the other kin theories are interesting. You know, I've um, encountered quite a bit of it. Uh, I actually, I help parents sometimes with spiritual things, especially related to their children. I'm a parent, but my son has grown. Okay, so other pe parents will often come to me, especially with with complicated things and a parent came to me because their child um 
started right around puberty, running, getting completely at the full moon, would completely un get naked and run into the back forest that they lived in. Um, and this kept happening every full moon and the child didn't seem to remember what happened. Um, and then at some point the child started to remember parts of it, like just before or just that. And then of course would wake sort of awaken to themselves being outside their window naked after having an experience. Um, and they don't, it took a while, um, but I definitely turned this person onto the other kin theories. I know that the other kin community can sometimes be a little on the toxic side, um, but not all of them. There are some people that are very interesting. In fact, my encounter with the other kin community uh, was a little therapeutic, frankly. I was suffering from a lot of post-trauma, uh, like from my childhood. And uh, I met a person that identified as a vampire, as a psi vamp. But there, so there's different kinds of psi vamps. There are some people that are other kin that are very aware of being a vamp. And they will talk about it in more of a therapeutic way rather than the way we think of it, which is where somebody is in a group and takes the group down, right? Okay. That's... These cyvamps would say that somebody that does that, that feeds from a group, feeds from a group's good energy without, no, they are not, they are cyvamps, yes, but they are unaware. And then there's a different kind of cyvamp that is aware, that has values, that has uh, morals, um, and they don't feed from a group, they only feed when given permission. And in my experience, when I laid down with a cyvamp in their lap, uh, they asked me to talk about my childhood for a little bit, and I did. And then something happened, and they I, I gave them permission to feed from my trauma, and they did. Um, and I felt after a huge experience, some things flashed and then kind of went black and I kind of passed out and um, I woke up uh, with this fairy because I was at another kin event with this little fairy who was like a little caretaker. She was just as cute as could be and happy to see me awake. And she was like, oh, I'm so glad you're feeling better. Like, you know, and then she has water for me and she's giving me gifts and um and I was like, wow. And she's like, oh, it looks like you were healed. Like I went through this experience. Did I notice a difference? Yes. I noticed that I was more aware of my trauma and what control it had over me or lack thereof. And I decided to take a lot of my control back after that. That's when I started to make choices for myself and started to be like, I'm not letting this shit be a dark cloud over my head for the rest of my life. And I also, that was the, also the first time I was introduced to being non-binary was amongst the other King community. So I will also say that there are a lot of non-binary people there. And when I had the theory of being a fairy, they were like, oh, you absolutely are. That's what you are. You're a fairy. And in fact, I thought this person's comment 
There are several theories about non-binary people being changelings and um, very good at glamour magic, which would be like drag. Um, glamour magic is absolutely drag. <laughs> I'm not good at that. Um, man. <laughs> right? And so I just, I just think that, you know, for me, that's the way it came through for at least for that part, the other Kim part. So. Uh, so real quick, jumping on uh, the psychic vampire thing. Also, I just noticed popped up in chat. Uh, Lacrosse does say hi. Can you put that up for a second? Oh, yes. Yes. So we can all send him. Hi, Lacrosse. Love you, honey. Hello. Drive safe. I hope I'm doing your uh, co-host job well. If not, feel free to, you know, boot me. Um, but no, to jump back to um, real quick with the whole psychic vampire thing, psychic vampires hit home with me a lot because um, my sister, I call her my sister because uh, she's like my witchy sister. She's not biological, but like her and I, you know, practice, we practice magic together. We um, just did like our own little duo thing. And she had a friend, um, uh, acquaintance now and not even a good acquaintance anymore. Uh, she uh, helped introduce us and myself to like this whole witchy lifestyle. And it's like a double-edged sword because I appreciate that she helped push me towards where I am now, but at the same time she hurt me. And it was just because of who she was of being this very manipulative, toxic person. And one of the things that she admitted to me was she was part psychic vampire. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know what that is, but I kind of, you know, researched it again because I have multiple books and I found out what psychic vampires are. And she said to me in confidence, and I should have took this as a red flag. She's like, you know, I tried to, you know, siphon a little of your energy because, you know, I'm just so weak, but I realized that you are very heavily protected and I give off. And I guess it's just my own personal being, I give off a, um, a barrier to myself because I know that there are things out there that want to try to get me. So I actually put this like white pillar, uh, barrier around myself. And the best way I can describe it is as like the cliche, like if anyone's watched the charm series with the power three with, Holly Marie Combs and all them. Um, I put like this white, just infinity pillar around myself. And she said, I can't get through like this white barrier you have around you. And that's really cool that you do that. And I've never dropped it for her ever. Like a few people I've dropped it to let them get emotional with me, but I always kept up around her and here it is. She's just this very toxic person. So I, get very hesitant with psychic vampires because it's like I had a bad experience with one and that was just like the craziest thing ever. And I'm, I'm personally happy with myself that I've kept the barrier around her. And later we, uh, me and my sister, we exposed her like, Hey, you're toxic. We're not being friends anymore. Thank you for all that you taught us about things. Some stuff was actually wrong, 
but like I learned the correct things about whatever she taught but I was like thank you but I'm cutting ties with you and I even had to do like a little ritual to cut ties with her and it involved like throwing personal items that she had given me into like this very fast moving river and I was like bye and so I cut ties with her and eventually now we don't talk anymore but I'm so happy I kept like this barrier against like this psychic vampire that was like manipulative as all get out so ugh. but um also jumping back real quick is I used to go out in the middle of this little not forest um glen area somewhere and um I would actually leave little offerings for the fairies so that was fun. I would like take my mom's like sugar from her like baking pantry. I would like take sugar, a little candy and some other little sweet stuff. And I'd like, oh, here's a little spot when trees make that little natural well with their roots. I'm like, here you go. And I would sit under the trees. So that was fun. That's very, you know, that's uh, Bella. Um, someone else in the show, Sandy. I used to play with a fairy when I was six until eight, and she came around when I was alone. I had three sisters and a brother, and sometimes I'd go play alone, and she would show up, and I shared my M and M's with her. <laughs> it sounds very similar, and I would absolutely say that for me, like fairies offering, making offerings to fairies, and being aware of fairies um brings me joy brings me joy uh my partner turned all of our tree stumps in our backyard uh you know we live in the rocky mountains so trees um it's just kind of the way things are here and there's some stumps around and so instead of just having a stump she turned them all into fairy houses I was addicted and as a child. Fairy houses were my thing. I would like collect roots, moss roots, moss flooring. I would go all out. I'm like, I like I somehow found out about fairy houses and I would go out to this little spot where it was literally just like this fun circle of trees. Like it was still like a bunch of trees, but there was like a little circle opening with a, like a few rocks to sit on. And I would make fairy houses. And it was so one therapeutic as like a small child, just like, Ooh, the cares of the world are gone. But also I'm like, here are like these fairies that probably need homes. And if they don't need a home, at least like they see that I'm giving them a home. And so like building fairy houses is so fun and using just all natural materials. So, but, oh my God, I love making fairy houses. So fun. As a, when I was uh, dressed as the Hobbit, I used to go to a thing called the Fairy Festival um, in New York, New York Fairy Festival. Uh, I was one of their characters. I take kids on uh, adventures usually. But as the Hobbit, I really embraced that character, the Hobbit, as a host um, and as um an adventurer you know because i really do have parts of me that are kind of hobbit like you know i get nervous right before i have to get you know go get on the plane i spin around wondering if i have everything i need and do i have every meal covered do i have a snack and you, you know i eat breakfast. <laughs> yeah i'm worried about my second breakfast for sure um and those i i found that embracing the hobbit 
uh, not just in the fairy festival, but in my life was a great way for me to honor that part of me that feels very Hobbit-like. And to this day, if you catch me playing d and I'm probably playing some character that's Hobbit-like. Um, it's just kind of my thing. I don't know. I think it's a... I think it's a great way for me to bring joy into my life and to bring playfulness. Fairies bring playfulness for me. They bring uh, happiness and joy for me. So I find that fairies, small things um, in general, little things, mushrooms and stuff like that can, can kind of stimulate your imagination. And whether it's real or not doesn't even matter just doesn't even matter um i really like the um performative creativity that can be found in a lot of groups that's something that i look forward to exploring once i find groups that are non-toxic or once i find my own boundaries in a way that i can withstand groups that could be toxic um, because just being able to express a side of yourself by getting into makeup getting into character and just letting it completely free uh and acting it entirely out and embodying that part of yourself i think is such a freeing worthwhile and fulfilling experience because i mean there's so many times we leave our inner child locked up in a cage and if we can just let it out to play for a while like be in a space where nobody's gonna look down on you for being an adult acting like a child um i think that's wonderful and i think it's such a great sense of community as well to feel safe in that kind of space you know you're able to trust that those people aren't going to attack you in any way and you don't get that from average society yeah and i find if you have an altar uh leaving an offering can help you get in touch with that mike wolf is saying uh he leaves an offering for little people all the time mike i'm pretty sure i got your pronoun right he um, and if I didn't, please correct me. And I also want to say that I know, Bella, you are from Pennsylvania. No. Um, <laughs> this person, Eric, Eric Pride, well, you live in Pennsylvania now. Um, I don't live there, Eric, and Lee does not live there. We both live Western. I live in Colorado. And um, it looks like he's been practicing for 23 years and you run a local coven in York, Pennsylvania. Wow, I'm just gonna say you are a brave soul, Eric Pride. Um, I used to live in Pennsylvania. Um, I don't any longer, but to run a coven there takes some balls. So um, I found uh, that the community was hard for me to uh, be in as a witch. Um, even just like my friend Bella, when Bella came on stage with her, uh, she was drag queen and you had your, um, witchy dress on with all these big, huge pentacles oh, my, and my pentacle earrings <laughs> with the pentacle necklace. And then just like the Ouija board, uh, corset that I made, you know, just, I thought the crowd, I thought Harrisburg pride stopped for a whole minute like don't worry i'm not I gonna watched... summon anyone don't worry <laughs> Fine. 
Which, by the way, I'm not sure if anyone's ever noticed my hand, but I recently got this uh, tattoo like a few years, like two years ago or something. It's a little planchette. Uh, so that way I can make calls nice. on the go. <laughs> Hello? Okay. Oh, your Uncle <laughs> Phil wants to talk. No, you're not going to get the inheritance. Yeah, that's. I love it. I love this finger. Give everyone the finger. We have a good, <laughs> we have a good question from another person on Facebook. If you want to pull it up, go for it. What is it? Um, Which one? You mentioned acts of service and its relationship to mental health and purpose. Maybe you can talk about transformative experiences of service. Mm. I can definitely. Yeah. Uh... I can definitely think of that. Um, I don't know. I love being in a service experience. I could think of one real quick and maybe it, maybe it'll trigger one of yours okay. uh, for yeah. either one of you um, is, you know, uh, I have this um, belief that if we don't teach our children magic, then how will the tradition ever go on? Mm -hmm. So there are many times that I will put myself in a position to work with children because I feel like it leaves a sense of um, legacy, a sense of um, continuing the craft. And I was working with a group of young people that were spiral scouts and I wanted them to develop their own service. Okay. Now this is Real their cool. own ritual. They call the quarters and they do the whole thing. Um, and it was, it was a magical to watch the older kids work with the younger kids and to witness one child say, you know, I'll be the high priestess and, this oh. other child say, I'll, I'll, I'll cast the circle. Now this child decided to cast the circle as Tigger, which was like, yes. what? He wore his Tigger costume in the whole nine yards. By the way, he's a fellow hobbit. And so, and just in the beauty of seeing them cooperate with nothing more than my coaching and suggestions. Um, and I had a transformational experience that I became after attending their ritual, being part of it. I was in their ritual there as an attendee. And we even had a um, pinata. They asked me to buy a pinata. And so we did. And it was a big sunshine because we were celebrating midsummer. Oh. And they, you know, got candy and the whole nine yards. And afterwards, that was really when I awakened to not only our, should we be teaching our kids magic, but I don't even have to teach them the energetics of it. It comes to them naturally. And my transformational experience was that I didn't really need to teach them. I just needed to open the door for them to present us ma with magic that they carried a magic 
within themselves. And in fact, to go to a ritual run and managed by children was often a magical experience in itself. Mm-hmm. And that was me being in service. I was in service and I learned that although I seen myself as a teacher, that I actually had something to learn from them, that they held the magic better than I did. And every time since then, when I do magic with children, I'm like, just let them have it because they know what they're doing. They know what magic is. And I find that when I'm in service to children, when I help them put things together, you know, go get the pinata, make sure that they have their grape juice or whatever it is they want to do and just try to hold the space or create the space for them that I'm moved, that I'm moved into realizing just how magical they are all by themselves. And adults like to think that they're very magical But in the end, (laughs) um, children seem to be holding it naturally. And that's that's been really special. Um, Did you guys have any other moments of service come up for you? Yeah, I've had similar experiences with just that where, um, like, I I've been around kids. I've worked in a daycare center. I like, I know that innocence of children and I full heartedly believe so much. Like it's changed me with, um, I guess not so much changed, but like solidified this belief that I've had that children have this, just like this, not so much hidden knowledge, but like the original programming of like how we should be, how we should experience life. Because like being in a daycare center, being around small children, like you see like these kids reenacting uh, the world around them. And you also see like, um, even if like the kids alone, it's like, oh, I see things or like, oh, I've, um, I can do this. And like, I've heard examples of people like say, when I was a kid, I used to float and like, I've heard experiences about that. And I totally remember that. And that's something that like, I think a lot of us forget doing is like this hidden magic or like, even if it's like, I guess now it would be considered like magic, but I guess it's just like, something we're born with like this ability of ourselves. And so like there are uh, young adults and adults around who are like, I remember doing this as a kid, but now I can't do it anymore. And and like the example is like floating. I actually remember personally floating myself. Like even if it was just briefly, I remember just laying on my bed, staring at the ceiling, mind not really being anywhere. And I actually like, I remember just losing the feeling of the bed underneath me as like I feel like okay the blankets are no longer touching me and then like a hot second I'll be like back on the ground but like I feel like as adults we've grown to like accept or like 
brainwashed into believing this isn't real. This stuff isn't real. And then our brains, our brains, and then like our magical brains delete the ability how to do it. And then we grow up like realizing, oh, I used to believe in all that, but not anymore. I've grown up. And I guess it's like that whole Peter Pan thing. Like if you stay young at heart, like you can hold on to a lot of power and like, especially like with kids seeing things like, Oh, I see fairies or I see a little person and the way they describe it because they're not like old enough to really put things into words. They see things as like, Oh, I saw a small man when it could have been a leprechaun it could have just been a brownie it could have been a a little house elf or something like and we shrug that off as just childhood imagination because we've been brainwashed to like see that and i think it's just been very awakening (laughs) to see and hear other kids just like talk about things because i've kept my own and like that's something i keep personally it's like i want to never lose my childhood of like, I never really want to grow up. Like, yes, I do want to grow up so I can be an adult, but I don't want to grow up too much to where I forget myself as like my younger self. And I feel like a lot of us do that, but like, it's crazy kids nowadays. They see this, they see beyond the veil. They see, what's around us and they see and can interact with and have the ability to do so much. And if we cherish and nurture that, like it's so crazy how much power, like the innocent mind that hasn't been tainted by outside forces, what it can do. And it's just so beautiful. Like they can do so much both um, in the real world, like with the community and with the world around us, but as well as like, they can do so much magically to where they can manifest either their desires or they can manifest like enough positive energy to keep going because they have that innocence to where it's just like, all I know is love. So I'm just going to keep going. And then the world gives it back to them. And so like, like being around small kids, it's definitely my spiritual awakening. So or at least validation, so. Well, it looks like it looks like Sandy's agreeing with you. Um, it's because their soul is so innocent and they're open to almost anything. And that their soul hasn't been corrupted by society yet. I agree. Yeah. And in fact, I thought uh, what Mike said, he said, I believe that when you're young, you haven't been taught that magic isn't real yet. So you are open and receptive to those energies where most adults have to willingly suspend their disbelief in order to connect with the energies around us. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and the thing with that is it's like because the child hasn't been told, like, told that, like, this isn't real, there's open to it, but because most adults have been reprogrammed into believing it's not real those parents can't teach their kids how to harness how to control those abilities and so it's just like these young children these young kids honestly could be future mediums to help communicate with beyond the veil or to the magical realms and it's just like here are these kids saying i see little people in the garden or i see 
grandpa Joe who died 20 years ago in my bedroom smiling at me. And like, if, if there are parents that themselves are aware that this is a thing, they will cherish that. And if we cherish those abilities of their kids and teach them, all right, honey, I need you to look at grandpa Joe. I want you to tell grandpa Joe he's okay here. And to have your kids harness those abilities like that's just crazy because then they're open to so much of what the world around them. But like with parents, like denying their children of their gifts or like their just inherent abilities of like being like, Oh, you grew up with these abilities. I'm not going to like me personally, like I won't deny my child like anything like, Oh cool. You see a scary man. Tell me about him. I will help that scary man go away. Oh, you see a friendly little imp or little sprite? Let me know so I can help you give something back to them so they're even nice and a best friend. So, like, it's very much the parents need to be themselves awakened to this. So, I would agree. My mom was aware her and her friends would discuss like what is it that i had what abilities was it that i was showing what i remember from childhood isn't seeing any fairies or spirits or anything like that it's having an immediate association of certain colors and textures to a person whenever i met them and being able to cold read them whenever i met them Cold reading, meaning you look at somebody, their posture, their, maybe their tone of voice, you don't have much interaction with them, but at the same time, you can tell so much information about them by their body language and, and by the clothes that they're wearing and the facial expression that they have and the color of their skin. Um, like, I scared a school counselor once because I asked her, what is this? And then I gave her a cold reading in which I told her what her favorite toy was as a child. I said that she was always a devil's advocate and that's why she's a particularly good therapist because she knows how to use that and a few other things. And she cut the session like immediately. She didn't give me any answers. She didn't entertain anything of what I said. She just cut the session and wouldn't see me for a couple of weeks. Um, and then later I did this with another, um, another school peer uh and at the time i had only known that if i do this cold reading thing if i do this i know about you in ways i shouldn't think uh it scares people so she was annoying me and i decided to do a cold reading thing i would scare her away instead we became the absolute best friends I even did it during science class, so all of a sudden, everybody that was sitting around us was asking me for ghost advice. How do I deal with this ghost in my backyard? How do I deal with this ghost in my house? Hey, by the way, I had this weird dream. What do you think it means? And the science teacher once came to me, and he was like, you're really smart. You don't actually believe in ghosts, do you? And I was like, well, I know enough to know that I don't know if they're real or not. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Lee, I can totally piggyback off of that 100%. In high school, when I started learning my gift of tarot, where I could read cards and everything, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like, you know what? One of the things that I learned is like, 
you know, kind of keep your deck near you. So that way you and the deck can become one and all that. So I would always have my deck on me. And I gave a reading to one of my friends because she knew yeah. and she was like, okay, cool. Just, you know, give me my little daily reading or whatever. So I did that. And then slowly, almost everyone in the school knew that I did tarot cards. And like, it was just the craziest shit. Like I had a line of people and <laughs> I was just like, are you guys fucking nuts? Like I was completely <laughs> amateur and they were so amazed. And they're like, oh my God, do me next. Am I going to get into college? Like, am I going to do this? And I would do a reading and how, and I would still do my, uh, the way I did my readings then is how I do my readings now. So like, I've never really changed anything. And they would always be like, oh my God, thank you so much. And then what's funny is I did it in a class where um, it was a weird class where we had like a local elementary, um, not elementary, like a local primary school, like a little preschool. Um, they would bring the kids to the high school so their parents could pick them up later because I guess like the little daycare center closed at a certain time but um so parents would bring um so we would be in this class and before the kids would arrive the other kids that were in the class they were like can you do a card reading for me real quick before the kids come and i had like a line of like eight people and the teacher would come and be like hey guys the kids are gonna be here can you like put away the witchy shit is basically what she said. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. And then we had a Halloween day and I thought it was a little tongue in cheek. I came as a sorcerer. So I got my like long coat, brought in a crystal ball with my cards and people were like, oh my God, give me a reading. And I'm like, the kids are going to arrive in like two minutes. I don't have that much time for a reading. Settle down. But yes, I totally <laughs> heal you with that whole like in school, like at an amateur age, like, yeah. Yeah. Finding your gifts. Yeah. I totally. Yeah. I, I definitely. What's going on. <laughs> yeah. I totally had a similar experience. Although I used to um, talk to spirits at a very young age. Uh, I didn't know that that I was talking to spirits. Like I had an idea that they were dead people, um, and no one uh, ever validated it um, until I was much, much older. Until my father died when I was twenty-five, so it was really beautiful. And I raised my son uh, knowing he he wasn't he. I raised him that way. I raised him where I would you know, validate any feelings that he had or gut feelings, um, any intuitions, deja vu. He had a deja vu and kind of gave me and his dad a heads up while we were driving in the snow. And we did in fact get stuck in a snow bank um, on, within about 10 minutes later. So my son knows when things not so great are about to happen. Um, and so when his daughter uh, at about four or five years old started to talk to dead people. He was like, Oh my God, mom. <laughs> um, because, you know, because he, he realized that she had inherited my trait of talking to dead people. And she still does talk to dead people in her room. Um, she knows they're dead. And uh, it's like, it's kind of a weird experience because you don't always see them, you hear them, or you know they're there. 
um, and you can have a clear out conversation with them. Um, and to develop, to develop that, I think that's why I'm grateful. I'm in, I'm in her life because as she grows up, I can help coach her a little bit on how to handle that because that can be a really intense experience. Um, and I will also say that talking to dead people really helps your mental health. Back to our topic is that when you're dealing with death, um, either seeing a medium or develop, that's when my dad died is when I developed my, when I was called to the path of a medium and I was 25 years old. And that really helped me heal because I developed a relationship with the people on the other side. And um, it's, I think it's vital um, that whether when you're grieving somebody's death, and I know a lot of us have had to deal with death this in the past two years, um, when you're grieve, when you're dealing with death, frankly, mediumship is a great grief form of grief counseling, assuming it's done in a healthy, good way. And you can develop your own, even if you're not a medium, you don't bring messages through from other people's spirits around them, right? If you just bring um, your own, the own spirits around you, all of us have access to a numerous ancestors around us, at least that's what I believe. And those dead people that are around you actually are there to guide you. And, um, so you don't have, a, we don't have a lot of time for this topic, but, um, it's, it, it's got its own schedule. Um, I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about mediumship and stuff in June, but, um, you know, it, I personally think that you can help yourself grieve by either seeing a medium or developing your own relationship with your ancestors, whoever they may be. So far for me, um, Thank you for saying all that, Hollis. So far for me, um, I turn to the tarot cards when I'm grieving or when I'm like stuck. And the tarot cards have been good for my mental health because it basically, it just gives me another perspective, even if it doesn't accurately tell me what's going on, even though it does always accurately tell me what's going on. Um, <laughs> um, and I'll actually, I, I have select friends that do tarot readings for free for me and I'll go around depending on what the issue is, go to a certain friend about it because of their kind of input and their personality and the kind of talks I've had with them before means that I want to hear that kind of advice out of the cards from them because their cards have their own kind of flair. Like um, I have one friend, I can trust that her cards are going to be sarcastic every time. Um, if it's something that I've been avoiding, if it's something that I already know what the solution is, the cards will tell me, you already know this, move on. <laughs> you know, they won't add anything useful to the end of it or anything like that. It'll just be like, you know what you know and move on. And it's like, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> but um, other cards, you know, they just, it, it all gives another perspective on something. And the more perspectives I can personally gather, the better off I am mental health wise, because with alternative perspectives gives me um alternative venues alternative options and uh having options to choose from helps helps me anyway too many options can be a detriment but 
when you're stuck and grieving, you know, those options are nice to have. So that's what totally agree. And the beauty of Tarot, uh, I am going to offer us a Tarot reading now in our last five minutes. Um, if, uh, Bella, I know that you're also a card reader. If no, I'm want. not. Don't lie about <laughs> that. Yes. If you two, if you two want to pull a card while I pull a oh. card, uh, you totally oh, can. God. We can all three do one. If your cards are around, if your cards are around, go um, ahead and I will. Um, oh, yep. Yep. Yeah, so. we can all take a moment to do this. So I was shuffling the cards while I was listening to them. I'm using Love is Love, uh, the Pride deck, which each card is done by a different LGBTQ uh, artist. It's, my, oh, it's yeah. a very cool deck. It's kind of new. Um, and I am pulling. I'm going to do a three card, past, present, future, um, for the entire community, including the three of us and everyone that's watching or watches this in a replay later that's okay even if you weren't live doesn't mean it's not for you the first card that i got is <laughs> exactly how i got this show to begin with which is drag queens these uh, this is yes the three, this is the six of pentacles which is all about connection it's all about our connection to each other in our chosen family and um, drag drag has been nothing but good to me, whether you're part of my drag family or not. I've gone all kinds of places all over the country, all over the world, and been accepted just because I'm part of the drag community. No other reason. And that has been priceless. So this is a reminder to all of us in the past that we are all connected. We are all one. And remember that right now, as you are exploring your own path, and that's this card, the Seven of Pentacles, which is all about coming to terms with your own stuff there. Can you see that artwork pretty good there? Um, it's got the seven chakras at the top there above his head. That's what those symbols are, I think. Uh, no, they're actually the planets, Jupiter, Venus, Moon, Mercury, Saturn, Mars, and the sun. It's actually astrology, which I think is beautiful. And this is a new deck for me, so I'm just reading it now. And the Six of Pentacles is a reminder to get in touch with your own way, your own reflection. Because if you look at your astrology card, your astrology chart, every single one of us has a direct, unique reflection into the world, into the universe, up in the stars in the moment you were born. Unless someone was born at the exact minute you were born, then, and that's rare, but it happens, um you have a unique star map check it out look at it even if whether you believe it in or not you'll probably at least find some wisdom there and this is our future this is about being alone take some alone time it's the hermit card it's a beautiful piece of art watercolor where so the the whole reading is that not only are we connected to each other not and that helps us realize our path and our unique, each one of us are unique beings of light and darkness as we choose to harvest and show that. And also don't forget, sometimes it's okay to be alone. 
it's okay to be alone. We're all alone sometimes, and the hermit path is valid too. So there's your there's your reading. Is anyone else ready? You guys ready? Just give me one hot second. I might be ready in a few seconds. Um, I I, two jumpers. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Lee. Go, Lee. Um, I'm not quite sure how to interpret these yet. Typically, I interpret based off of what energy I'm getting and what the symbolism is in the card. Our first card is the card of the lovers, indicating some kind of relationship or bond. I'm assuming that we're getting along well with our audience or getting along well as co-hosts. And then we have a balance of the material with the two of pentacles. I see this also as a good sign. We're well-balanced materially. We're not burning ourselves into the ground by providing for our audience, and the audience isn't getting burnt down into the ground either. That's how I'm going to take that. And our final one is the fool in reverse. We might think that we're starting anew, but are we really? Go, Bella. Do you have it? Are you ready? Yes. So the cards that I want to do, I felt my intention on my cards was like a weekly, I thought this would be fun, a weekly forecast of like how we should uh, prepare ourselves for the upco- for this upcoming week. Um, so I thought that would be kind of fun for everyone, just to, like an overview, not really picking anyone in particular, but like if this comes up just to give a heads up for everyone so i'm just gonna do like a beginning of the week uh middle of the week and then just how our week's gonna end um and again i kind of go off of lee's style where i don't look at the uh the 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 actual intention of the card i look at the artwork and kind of just go off of the at so right now i have the seven of swords but she is upside down um right now i can see like we're all thinking that we're gonna have um a lot to carry a lot of burdens but i feel like there is going to be that positivity that it's going to be lightened so that way we might perceive what we have coming the upcoming week as being very heavy, a lot of stuff on our tasks, but because it's upside down, you know, gravity is inversed. And so maybe the things that might seem heavy, if we step back from them, maybe the things that we seem as like, Oh, I need to get stuff done. Like they're going to be lighter and they're not going to be as heavy as we think they are. Look at the beautiful art, by the way, using the deck that I got from Hollis, so uh, <laughs> shout out. Um, so I have that middle of the week. I have the five of wands, five of wands. You know, everyone's dealing with this shit. Everyone's got it together. But at the same time, no one's ever dropped the ball. Do you see anyone who's dropped their wand? No, everyone's in control of their wand. If we stay positive with this, we've all got it. Everyone in this photo looks like, like, we've got it. We've all got to support ourselves. So if we support ourselves, you know, we've got this. So I feel like in the middle of the week, even though the beginning, it's going to be hard middle of the week, we got this. We are good. We good. We've done this time and time again. We're naturals. We're pros. And then for the end of the week, I see, I can't read upside down. Uh, uh, I've got the world card upside down. And with the world card upside down, I see it. 
as though we're still free falling. We're coming down off of the high of the week. We've still got a few things in our hands to where it's, yes, I've still got things to do. I still have things on my list. And if I don't have them, if I don't have them crossed off, it's fine because uh, in the photo, the, you know, she has bubs, but I'm going to say it's a person. It's all of us. So even though the hands are full and we're coming down off of the high of the week, we got it balanced. We have the ability to hold on to the things around us to where it's fine. And with the line and the bowl in the top corners, that's what we're leaving. And because gravity is pulling us back down, we're leaving the hardships of the week. We're coming into the weekend and we see, you know, with the eagle and with uh, this spiritual divine face in this corner, with these two, they're flying high. You're going to feel better about yourself. So I see that, like, in this upcoming week, the forecast is going to show that we're we're going to have a lot to handle. A lot of us are going to be handling stuff. But we know that if we stick to ourselves, everyone else around us, and we rely on them, we're going to be fine. And by the end of the week, we're all going to be fine. So for all of you out there, don't worry too much about next week. If you've got something important coming up, don't worry about it, is what I'm saying. So you got this. Thank you, Bella. Oh, thank you. Which, by the way, a large portion of the deck fell out. So that said, these guys didn't want it be in there so that was crazy well thank you so much bella that was beautiful and thank you lee thank you both for doing tarot i love it um i think every i'm with you with both of you that every person has their own interpretation of the cards same thing goes for astrology uh there's some basics but then beyond that there's usually each astrologer brings in something different and that's the beauty of divination of all kinds is that we each bring our own unique soul to it and that's the way it is so thank you everybody i want to say i want to just feature this beautiful comment in saying thank you i love andrea said i love listening to all of you and learning this is such an amazing thing i love you all Thank you, Andrea, for your support. And thank you, everybody, Sandy, Heidi, Esperanzi, everybody that's in the room. Thank you so much for chatting, for commenting, for sharing, and for being part of Rainbow Soul. So I want to say farewell, and we will see you next week for an exciting episode and lacrosse will be back with us next week. So make sure you tune in Sunday at 8 PM Eastern time, 7 PM central time, 6 PM mountain time, 5 PM Pacific time, no matter where you are in the world, I can try to figure out what time it will be. <laughs> Thank you for watching rainbow soul. Thank you for watching rainbow soul. A queer perspective on spirituality beyond religion. We appreciate you sharing the show on your timeline. Follow us on social media of your choice. And join our Facebook group, Rainbow Soul. We want to hear from you. Share your topic ideas for Hollis and Lacrosse. Explore upcoming shows and interesting guests. 
the Rainbow Soul Facebook group, where we build community of questioning seekers. Rainbow Soul, where spirituality is our medicine.